0: Org. This episode is from the years 2014-16, through 16, when the series was called Childhood, History, and Critique. Enjoy. Hi everybody, this is Pat Ryan again with Childhood, History, and Critique. And this time I have a conversation with Andre Tormel, Professor Emeritus at Laval University in Quebec City, As many of you know, Termel is the author of the 2008 book, A Historical Sociology of Childhood. He has published in French, English, and German articles on the history of developmental psychology and the idea of maturation. He's dealing now with the category of orphans uh, through an examination of Quebec This conversation took place in September of 2014 and I've divided it into two parts each between 20 and 25 minutes. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I did and take care. So I'd like to begin by asking you about your intellectual journey, Andre. How have you come over the past decades to the historical sociology of childhood?
1: Uh, well, I, I was, I started my study at Laval. Uh, I was a student there in the, at Laval University in the Department of Sociology. I earned uh, a master's degree there in 1970 and then worked for a while uh, and decided to go to earn a Ph.D. in Europe, in France, in southern France at Université de Provence. And I got my my Ph.D. there in 1978. And um, I was there influenced by two or three sociologists I work with. And these sociologists were linked to great historians who were at the same time at Université de Provence. The most important one was, of course, Georges Duby. Mm-hmm. And the second one was Paul Vane. Yes. And the third one was Michel Vauvel. All the three of them ended up in, the, in Paris at the Collège de France. But they were all historians from the École des Annales, and they were doing social history. Mm-hmm. So the sociologists I worked with were... Very uh, historically-minded sociologists, okay. and they, they, they would say that uh, we, we can't uh, explain uh, uh, various uh, social movement or, or social phenomena, uh, actual or contemporary social phenomena, without giving them a historical uh, point of view or a, 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 a historical standpoint. Yes. So that that was probably the most important influence I, see in at the Université de Provence, I decided to uh, to come to sociology of childhood and to come to the uh, an historical sociology of childhood because probably I I do think. That uh, historically speaking, there has been a, a kind of, you know, division of labor uh, back at the end of the 19th century, where psychology took hold of childhood, leaving sociology with family. Mm-hmm. And, each, and if you go. in in various departments of sociology and psychology, and look at their curriculum, you will notice that, I mean, sociology of childhood is a very recent topic of interest for sociology. Mm -hmm. While it's been a very old topic of interest for psychologists, and, and the other way around is exact as well. From the very beginning of of the various departments of sociology, you can you can see that an important topic has always been sociology of the family, mm-hmm. which you don't find in the department of psychology. And and uh, 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 the, the psychologists rec- very recently came to the topic of family. So that's why. I not not the whole story of it but one of the main point is that I decided to to start researching in, in the area of childhood and from an historical probably because a, a sociologists uh, and great sociologist uh, uh, relied relied, most of them relied on psychology and on Piaget for instance so they did their sociological work but they
0: were inserting paradigms from developmental psychology on which to base their sociological work rather than creating a sociology of childhood
1: exactly, exactly so I think we have we as sociologists we have to do some work in the sociology of childhood, and particularly from an historical point of view or standpoint, because there hasn't been anything done except in the last 25 years. I have been one to, to, in my
0: own work to argue critical examinations of childhood are, are not new, but if you take the perspective of the discipline of sociology and that's what you're talking about, then yeah. the narrative that that you're sketching out, which sociologists of childhood commonly tell, is that it is only in the last generation that so, that the discipline of sociology came in to studying childhood in its own right and making that part of that disciplinary argument. That makes a lot of sense. Whereas if we extend that out to just the history of ideas about childhood and look for social statements, of course, about childhood, it's of course hundreds of years running. But that's an important distinction. A discipline is a particular structure. So that's a, uh-huh. I find that
1: very interesting, the story you're telling. It's, it's I think that one of the weaknesses of of sociology. One of the important weaknesses of, of sociology is that they work on normal adults. They kind of you know discharge working on either children or retired people. Mm-hmm. They work on adults, mainstream adults, who are in the workplace, and they kind of, you know, they kind of make an impasse. I don't know if impasse is 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 a, is, a British, is an English word, but uh, a dead end, a dead end rather than it worked. It's, uh... on, on both the the beginning of of life, children, and the end of life with retired people. I, I for for someone like Parson. As 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 a great leading uh, theoretician in 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 sociology, back in the fifties and sixties, he relied completely, you know, on psychology. Mm -hmm. When he is working on 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 the concept of socialization, even Bourdieu, even Bourdieu, Bourdieu relies completely on Piaget. Uh-huh. Okay. Bourdieu is, is, is a great theoretician and, and in, in, the, in the perspective of socialization he starts with Piaget he doesn't have a truly sociological standpoint on children on young children preschool children let's say I,
0: I find uh, that very persuasive because as I read Um, in history and sociology and really in other disciplines uh, when uh, scholars often are either implicitly or actually quite explicitly making claims about children in the process of trying to make a different argument and what's tucked in there are often unexamined claims. And uh, so the point that you're making there really uh, really makes sense to me. One, I'd like to turn us to uh, some of your work and how you've um, uh, fashioned concepts uh, to create a historical sociology of childhood or contribute to the creation of a historical soci- sociology of childhood. Okay. in your In your 2008 book, the subtitle, and is I think very important. It really tells us about the book. The t- subtitle to a historical sociology of childhood is developmental thinking, categorization, and graphic visualization. And I'd like to ask you about the phrase graphic visualization because uh, this is a a term that I I found helpful and uh, compelling. In fact, I think it's become part of my analytic vocabulary because it seems to name a feature of 20th century childhood discourse, but not not an idea or just a a proposition or an assumption, but something that that makes um, an assumption or proposition possible or circulates an idea. So could you could you tell us about uh, graphic visualization, how you came to this term, how it fits within your your larger understanding of of um, modern childhood?
1: Um, in those various scientific fields, the scientific observation of children and the scientific research. About children came to use a, a a categorization that was new and that emerged from uh, uh, the, the research that those uh, who were in the academy were were conducting okay and the main, the main category that emerged by the end of the 19th and the beginning of the 20th century, and what I mean by the beginning of the 20th century is that up to First World War, mm-hmm. uh, is the difference between a normal child and an abnormal child. And they were... Putting out various graphic and various statistics, where, <clears throat> and I'm thinking about Galton, for instance,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they would they would say that the normal child was more or less the one that was, uh, you know, uh, how to say, compatible with the normal curve. Yes. Uh, At both ends of the normal curve could be considered as non-normal or abnormal. Mm -hmm. In the case of Galton, he would say that at one end of the normal curve, you would find the genius, and at the other end of the normal curve, you would find the idiots or, or the, uh, the people-minded, yeah, the various uh, the, the, the the various categories, uh, uh, the morons, the the idiots, uh, etc. No? Mm-hmm. So, it is important, I think, to realize that a new categorization emerge from those. Uh, 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 from the research in in those various fields Mm -hmm. and it is as well important to realize that those categories had to have a a material support Mm -hmm. that was a graphic that could be visualized let's say in 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 the uh, uh, more imp- of course in, in in the scientific field, huh? but in in a more and diffuse the graphic had to be diffused in a larger circle than the 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 the, 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 the rather uh, uh, small uh, circle of the of the scientific field. Huh? It has to be diffused Mm-hmm. And in in uh, in the public, in the more general public, or at least in the educated general public.
0: And let, and let me ask you about this. I mean, one one reason that I that I find the what you're describing about graphic visualization compelling is it seems to make a a really important point about discourse or about ideas, mm-hmm. and. I, I just want you to comment on a parallel. If we were to think about um, what I would call romantic developmentalism, that is developmental um, ideas and, 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 and practices uh, that involve children prior to late 19th century positive science and graphic visualization, the, the material example, would be the diary. It would be a diary that a parent would keep for their own child and they would inscribe into it, you know, dozens, hundreds, sometimes thousands of intimate observations. And that diary, though, is a practice that cannot do some of the things that graphic visualization could do. It, It cannot circulate in the same way it cannot be produced in the same way. It doesn't have the same rules or the same assumed reader and it doesn't feel or it it, it cannot be experienced in the same way that a graph or a chart can be. And so that to understand what's going on with scientific developmentalism we have to understand the circulation the assumed reader, the, um, the experience of uh, viewing and making and, and producing those charts. And that, in other words, it's not just an argument, it's a process that's broader than arguments, much like you could say there are rules for a poem that are not the same rules for a novel that are not the same rules for the developmental record form,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that that there, there, is, there are ideas that are encoded in the way these documents are produced, and to only think about them as arguments rather than larger productions is to miss part of what is happening or yes. how it operates. Does that make sense to you?
1: Yes, yes. I I would I would I do agree with with most of what you said huh? and and of course these the diary huh, of various people let's say uh, in the 19th century where even even Darwin wrote uh, a diary, kind of diary. When his first child was born uh, around 1840, I think he was born in 1839, not sure about that now. But he wrote a diary, you know, which was published for 30 years later, or perhaps 40 years later, mm-hmm. you know, about, the, let's say, the development of his own son, you know, when, when he starts smiling, mm-hmm. when he starts grabbing Darwin's finger. And, and when he started doing this and that. Huh? These were. Very important. A very important step. You know. In the narrative. About children. Huh? But what I wanted to, to tell you. Uh, going back to my. Previous statement. Is that. The. The, the important point. For me. Is that. The charts are can be diffused in a larger public mm-hmm. and can be turned in a larger public because they are they, they, they rest on a, vi, a visualized argument, mm-hmm. not only about the narrative. But the narrative rests on a visualized document. Mm-hmm. And the main example here is the height and weight chart. Mm-hmm. That, that was completely diffused. The American uh, Medical Association diffused millions of height and weight chart uh, uh, around World War I. And he, these charts, every pediatrician had one chart in his office and would give the mother who, who, who would visit him or her, his office, in its office, and they, they would give the parent, the mother especially, a chart, a an eye and weight chart, telling them that at the age of two months, your daughter should wait this and that. Uh, Or your son should wait because they were different chart for girls and for boys. You know? And so they were popular because of their visualized aspect. Mm -hmm. People without a PhD or without, you know, that that were uh, people uh, who would not read diaries exactly exactly lay people could see and understand the the narrative of the pediatrician
0: so the circulation was very very different and that yeah. this concludes part 1 of a conversation with andre termel recorded september 2014 FOR CHILDHOOD, HISTORY, AND CRITIQUE BY PATRICK RYAN